And now, here's your host, Alessandra Torresani. Mm, I can't even tell you. I feel like I'm with a celebrity, Dr. Berlin. I can't even tell you. And I've interviewed your wife. I feel like this has been such like a, a Berlin family extravaganza um, going on on this season of emotional support. So welcome. I'm so excited to have you here. Goodness. Thank you so much for having me. I I feel bad that you started with my wife because she's by far the better <laughs> guest person Shoot. in, in <laughs> parent. Yeah spouse uh but uh but i'll do the best i can you do the best you can you just you just keep on being you which is which is going great so far and i'm Thank really you. appreciating it well I'm i feel like me. the funniest thing is is i think that this well i know that the whole pregnancy journey for me has been totally kismet and all this you know bizarre stuff keeps happening and i told your wife that the way i actually found your podcast was we're on the same like kind of advertising network and i just was so curious because i didn't know mm. any mom blogs or uh mom pregnancy podcasts anything like that so i looked on this advertisement company like pregnancy podcast and yours was the first that came up and I started listening to Mandy Moore's episode that you did of the pre-birth and the afterbirth mm. and I was just so moved by just not only the show in general but just your communication with these women and how like safe and comforting they felt and it was wonderful Cut to the next day, one of my best friends, Jenna Ushkowitz, um, tells me, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. My baby is breech. And someone recommended this, this person. His name is Dr. Berlin. And I said, I have to tell you, Jenna, I think that this is in the stars because I, I, I said, I literally just randomly found him, reached out to he and his wife on Instagram. And within 24 hours, your name just came up like that. And it was so wonderful. And I was just so thrilled to, you know, be able to have a conversation with you because these stories that I keep hearing from all of these pretty badass women that you've had on your podcast um, and all the things that you've done to kind of help them through their own birth process. I, I just, I want the world to know, like, who is Dr. Elliot Berlin? Oh, thank you so much. I mean, look, it's obvious that my mother goes around talking to everybody who even looks like they might have a bump. It could be a, <laughs> a small taco belly or whatever. And she's like, you know, my son. <laughs> I love so it. the name gets around and I'm very grateful. That's, you know, she has to, she's Jewish. She has to, it's her thing. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm, it's her thing. It's in our, it's in the code. So I, I do feel very, very lucky. I, I know people, a bunch of my friends hate going to work. They hate what they do and they, you know, they just do it because right. that's what you got to do sometimes. Uh, I love going to work. I love what I do and I love going home. And I, you know, I, I just feel my, my biggest problem in life is I'm torn between two places. I love to be mm. at the same time. So, um, and God willing, that'll be the biggest problem I ever have. You know? Right. Right. That's a, a wonderful problem. problem. Yeah. That's a totally wonderful problem. How did you get involved in, in, in working with women, with pregnant women and in, in doing all the special skills of, I mean, you're beyond a chiropractor. I mean, you, you're, you're a miracle worker, so they say. So, you know, how did that even happen? 
Again, that's a direct quote from my mom. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> I have her, I have her on speed dial. We've been on the phone. We've been having the chats. <laughs> <laughs> mm, phone a friend. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, you know, it really, it, it was an interesting journey. Sometimes you play these video games. My kids do. I, I'm terrible at all of them. But they play a game or a driving game or whatever, running game, and all of a sudden, like an arrow pops up and says, go this way, go this way. And and uh, I feel like that's happened a few times in my life. It sounds like it's happening in your life, too. Yeah. Um, maybe we're playing the same game. It could be one, you know, go I, I would not be and surprised. So, <laughs> sponsor. So, I, uh, <clears throat> I, I always was interested in healthcare since I was a little kid. I, I walked into a building in Manhattan one time. I saw them doing a CPR training class. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like mortified. I was like, what are they doing to that woman with no arms and no legs? And uh, then they explained that you could use your body to be somebody else's heart and lungs. And it just mm. blew my mind. I was like, what? Wow. I want to do that. Right. So um, I like next year took CPR, then first aid, then responding to uh, emergencies. I was teaching for the Red Cross as a teenager. Um, I then went into an um, emergency medical technician as a 17-year-old, started working in ambulances and emergencies when I was 18. And in college, I signed up for pre-med. And then when I was 19, my father suddenly died from uh, partially from a medical mix-up. And so it really gave me a new respect for medicine and wow. for you know, drugs and surgery and how they have the power to help and they have the power to harm. And uh, as much as I love them, I wanted to be on the other side. I want to be on the side that supports the body and nurtures health and helps the doctor within. Um, And that's not to exclude drugs and surgery. It's just a different approach. Like sometimes you don't need drugs and surgery, certainly not as the level one diagnosis and treatment. So I took some time off, studied all the different uh, modalities or many of them. And I fell in love with the combination of chiropractic and massage. So I went to school separately for both and then just smushed them together to make the peanut butter and chocolate of holistic healthcare. Oh my God. I mean, that's amazing. uh, That's that it's a great combination. It treats both sides of the musculoskeletal system. And it's extra good for pregnancy because you can't do the same kind of imaging or orthopedic testing is less reliable. So you really get, get your hands on something and, and really get to diagnose, like feel at at different depths what the what the source of the issue is, especially if it's a musculoskeletal issue. And to and to remedy it without again, without those drugs and surgery. It doesn't always work, but it's pretty powerful. Uh, and then when my wife and I were thinking about having kids, we, you know, we followed the instructions. No baby came out and we ended up in three years of assisted medical reproductive mm, roller coaster wow. um, is the nicest way I can put it. Yeah. Uh, by the end, we were still young, 25 and 27, and they were like, yeah, we don't have anything else for you. You should go adopt. So not that I was opposed to adoption. It was just like a big, what? Like, I'm a decent guy. Doesn't the universe want a little more of this? Yeah. Come on. But uh <laughs> wasn't. <laughs> Look at me. So uh, it wasn't happening. So I... Um, you know, we we were at that point we were just broke. We we our relationship was a little broke. Our, our bank account was very broke. Our um, health, physical and mental health, was just in the gutter. So we just decided we're still young. Let's take a little time. 
to improve our health. And we spent a lot of time bonding, doing these hours-long bike rides. We were living in Nebraska at the time. Wow. Uh, and there were just beautiful groomed bike trails. And uh, we started doing more holistic health with ourselves, a little bit of meditation, better nutrition. Uh, and then we moved to Los Angeles, and we were like kind of at a point where we could start talking about uh, you know alternative pathways to parenthood. And then we found out we were pregnant. Wow. Just and, like that. Uh, every two years after that, another baby. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I mean, I know what happened, but yeah. Wow. And what do you think was different so, that, that happened, that the reason why it was changed? Do you think it was just as simple as location and maybe just a different environment that you were in or a feeling or or was there some miracle, you know, cracking of the occipital bone or something that changed it? <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i i you know i really think it's one of two things i i really think our nervous systems were in a better place mm. to want to support a pregnancy like mm. if you feel like you're being chased by a tiger yeah. um, your body just goes into that fight or flight mode and your body is not interested in you know pregnancy it's not a good time for it so i think it'll do everything it can to roadblock a pregnancy but then when you are in a good place and you're not being chased by a tiger and you feel calm inside it's like instead of fight or flight it's feed or breed feed and breed where your body just focuses more on maintenance kind of things on on digestion and reproduction and uh will try to you know facilitate a pregnancy rather than get in the way right and um that's what it feels like happened because every two years after that boom another kid came out like we couldn't turn it off Oh my gosh! And I, you know, I, I hardly ever touch her occipital bone. <laughs> well, I have to say that I did something very different. Um, that that your story is reminding me of. Um, in regards to the nervous system, I think that you know I live with bipolar disorder, and I started to wean off my medication for four months before we even tried to have a baby. Um, and during that time as well, I was really careful as to trying different types of modalities of acupuncture, um, certain types of massaging. And I'm blanking on the name because this is what happens, I guess, with pregnancy brain. But it resets the nervous system where it's this person like almost pops, not the neck, but the occipital bone to reset the nervous system. Do you know what I'm talking about? Is there, there's a word for it and I'm totally blanking. Uh, craniosacral therapy? No. Neuroemotional um, technique? It's like, it's not, oh my gosh. And of course, and my husband's out doing it right now. So he, he's getting it done to himself. And so I should know what this is called, but it was, um, but it basically just like the popping of the neck. And then you hear in the, your whole body, in your ears, you hear like this and it goes all the way down your spine. And oh my gosh, I'm blanking what it's called mm. now. But, but I was doing these things, anything that I possibly could to kind of reset the nervous system and make myself in alignment and not in alignment for a pregnancy per se, but in an alignment just for my mental health, because it was the first time in 13 years I had been off my medication. So I was trying all different types of, you know, mm. things that I could do. I didn't know what to do, but I was like, okay, this is making me feel good. This is making me not feel good. I'm going to try this up a little bit fix the diet. And I have to tell you, like I got pregnant 
right away. And it was something that I was not like expecting at all because I had been told my, you know, entire, you know, adult life. I've, I've always had a weird menstrual cycle where I've gotten it twice a month hormonally. My chemicals have been completely imbalanced because of the, the bipolar disorder. And people would tell me, oh, it's probably going to take you at least a year, if not longer, you're probably going to have problems because you're 34. And it was that moment of, oh my gosh, I'm pregnant. Now, what do I do? And I became superstitious, like even more so being like everything I did, I didn't want to like mess with the system because I was afraid I would lose the baby. Um, And so, but I am a firm believer in when your nervous system is intact and you are fully there and it's functioning it really is a game changer with everything in your entire life, not just a pregnancy. So when you said that about you and your wife, you know, it's 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 so beautiful. And I think it's really important for, for women and men to, to hear that, the importance of your nervous system just changes everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It controls the function of every cell and organ in the body. And, you know, there's two parts to the nervous system, the part that you think about and control voluntarily. That's mostly muscular, like uh, skeletal muscles. So walking, dancing, moving around, talking, uh, eating. But then also there's the automatic part that just automatically responds to stimuli. So if it's warm, it'll do things to make you cooler and vice versa. So um, that's the part that has two different modes of operation. On the emergency mode, the fight or flight, it's very, you know, intense and it it's literally your body varying degrees of feeling in danger and like you need to run for your life or fight to the finish right um and then the polar opposite is all the same organs but doing opposite things so instead of your pupils dilating so you could see the battlefield they relax and you can let in less light and it's less overstimulating um blood flows to the arms and legs so you can run or fight but then after the emergency's over, it kind of comes back into the trunk and and those less emergency organ systems. Um, and so it makes sense that if your body doesn't feel safe, then it doesn't want you to get pregnant. Totally. And I also am, I, I practice transcendental meditation and I'm a firm believer that meditation really, you know, when your brain is in theta, I think that that is such a huge thing too, as well, that really can help just in general in your life, you know, pregnancy or non-pregnancy. I think that there's something about meditation that really can just make, make things good again, you know, especially if you're having that, that fight or flight mode, it's, it's really something that I, I swear has saved my life, you know, and I, I'm, I, I sound preachy when I say it so much, but I, I firmly believe that just sitting in silence, even if it's your mind is busy and words are coming in and out. It doesn't matter. It's just you're you're there and your brain is in theta. And I think it's really important. And that's what I loved about all of your episodes on your podcast is you have all these different people that come on that share such amazing skills, um, including my absolute favorite game changer um, who taught me hypnobirthing was Alicia Tamburi. And I didn't know you had an episode with her and I found that episode and I was listening to it um, last night. And I just, 
First of all, I love her. Um, and I'm having her on the podcast after mm-hmm. I give birth so we could talk about my hypnobirthing experience. But she was another person that was a totally kismet experience where, like that had happened. I was in my OB's office for the first time meeting him. And my husband saw a book that said hypnobirthing. And he's very much into transcendental meditation and all the woo-woo, all the fun stuff, you know. And he said, oh, we should read that. You know, that looks good. And I looked up who, you know, hypnobirthing and like best, you know, teacher in Los Angeles. And I found these articles all on Alicia. And I reached out to her. It took me about a month to Uh finally get a hold of her because I was calling like the wrong old numbers and old emails. (laughs) And finally I got a hold of her and she, she taught me so much. So hearing her episode with you was so fascinating because there were a lot of things that you asked her that I, I, I didn't even know about her story or, or outside of just the hypnobirthing, what she does for hypnosis therapy in general. Um, how do you, did you work with Alicia as well with your wife? Um, so, you know, I was initially met Alicia because we had clients in common. Right. And uh, they would come to me for what I do. They'd go to her for what she does. Um, we had already had our first baby mm. by the time I met her. So we had done a different childbirth education series. But eventually, before the fourth, I think, we we did it. Um, and it was, our fourth birth was 90 minutes long, but so there wasn't really a lot of time for (laughs) for anything, (laughs) but, um, we did those exercises leading up to the fourth birth right? when it was a little chaotic with three very little ones around the house, our career starting to take off and just a a lot going on. We would do those meditations and it it really kept that whole third trimester super calm um, despite everything that was going on. I love meditation because to me, um, I'm also a little ADD, Mm. but, but just more than a little. So, uh, right. What happens for me is uh, I'll have on my computer. That's one of the signs of ADD, right? Like twenty-five tabs open, as a, you know, yeah. I'm working on so many different things at the same time. And uh, eventually, like other people, the computer starts to get overwhelmed and slow down. It's not working efficiently. And uh, before you know it, you got to reboot, and everything comes back online nice and smooth and functional and organized. And to me, that's how I feel when I have a really good meditation. Mm. Uh, there's too many windows open up there. Nothing, everything's log jammed. I'm not being productive at all. And uh, it's starting to stress me out and, and speed up my heart rate. And so I'll do a, a meditation. could be literally as, as short as five minutes. Yeah. Um, longer, better, but five minutes, I can shut sure. everything, bring it back online, and then focus and move on to the next thing, be productive. Mm. And um, that's true if it's just too many things I'm working on at once, or it's also true if my nervous system is running away with being worried about this or sad about that. You know, I I can use meditation to clear the consciousness and put that stuff in the unconsciousness in little filing cabinets where I can access them later if I need them. Oh, I think that's so wonderful. And I think that I'm so, I'm I'm so happy that you've been able to find meditation and that it works for you because, you know, look, not everything works for everyone, right? I can sit here and I can preach and say that A, B, and C is the best thing. And this is the cure. 
It's not. It's whatever is best for you. I think that's the same thing that I've learned with pregnancy is I've certainly gotten more, um, you know, oh, you should be doing this or you should do that. You know, the shoulds and shouldn'ts. Um, and it's really about what works best for me and what works best for my baby and my mind mm-hmm. and my center and how I function as a human being. Um so I'm so happy that that you you have meditation that's helped you so much with your with your ADD because I know that that is really 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 you know it's really hard it's a hard struggle um, I don't I don't live with ADD but I have many people in my life and I and it's people I, I think that it gets a weird rap to ADD and ADHD because every kid right they would be like oh they they have it they should just be on Adderall calm them down like that'll work. But when you see adults who are suffering with it, you don't realize how intense it really is until you see it firsthand, that it's not just, um, you know, a busy bee, you know, if you will. Like there's actually a seriousness behind it all. Um, So thank you for sharing that. I really Mm -hmm. do. I do appreciate that. Wish for sure. I, I was not diagnosed as a kid because I was not hyperactive and because I, I have a good IQ. So right. if I'm not fully paying attention in school, I can still get away with get it. The A minus or a, at the very least a, a B plus. So I'm, I'm not, a, there's no markers that say this kid has something different going right. on in their head than those kids. Um, uh, I actually used to call it ADDD instead of ADHD, attention de- deficit donut disorder. <laughs> because uh, I would try to numb, <laughs> I would try to numb the discomfort of ADD by just with a eating donut. simple carbs. And I found out later, actually, yeah, with a donut. That's, oh my that's my treatment of choice. Um, and uh, I assume that's why there's two Adderalls, <laughs> yeah. two Ds, and Adderall. That's really just crushed up donuts. And <laughs> and uh, yeah, I found out later that gluten carbohydrates actually pull blood flow to the front of the uh, cortex, where wow. where People with ADD tend to not have enough so that, you know, once you run out of processing nutrition there, you just, the gates close and you can't take anything else in. So there's a lot of ways to to bring that back. But for me, it was donuts. And I didn't realize why, like any kind of simple gluten carbs. Sure. I didn't know that. Wow. That's, that's wild. I didn't, I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable what the brain is capable of. And I feel like we know nothing about the brain still. And there's so much more to know and to learn. And it's just, and then at the end of the day, people say it's just plastic. So there you go. You know, <laughs> like, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. For me, it turned out to be uh, vitamin, vitamin K was a solution, was Krispy uh, uh, Kreme. Yeah. Well, I love Krispy Kreme, but I mean, I feel like that's not, that's not the solution that we were we're looking for with you. Yeah, no, no, no. I I actually tried because I didn't have it as a kid, so I tried Ritalin as an adult once I was diagnosed with it, and it was really cool for helping me see how the mind could work in mm. terms of focus, and then giving me something to aim for to try to get it to do that or to realize when it's not doing that and just you know switch gears, do something else because you're not going to be productive in that moment, right? And uh, come back to it later. Wow. Now, I have to ask you, switching to your patients, you know, what are the some of the patients, like, what would uh, a pregnant woman come in for specifically besides just, like, 
oh, my baby's breached. Like, what is it, the work that you do? Because I was listening to Kate Mara's episode, for instance, um, which, wow, what a birth story that was. I was like, oh my gosh, talk about- uh, yeah, and I was like, those damn cinnamon rolls, Doctor Berlin. Like, no, those cinnamon. <laughs> <laughs> and I swear it was haunting my yeah, dreams cakes, yesterday. Uh, <laughs> because I love cinnamon oh, rolls more than anything in the just entire get the world. Ones with, yeah, just get the ones with eggs, and you'll be fine and gluten. Uh, so, you know, Kate Kate's story was incredible because like there were so many areas where she's so healthy. And fit, uh, physically fit, mentally fit. She's just an, a, a great candidate for an amazing birth story. And then she got hit with cholestasis. So um, it's just incredible how many things didn't go according to plan mm. and how she emerged from that still uh, happy, you know, yeah. with the overall process and just grateful for the overall process. Um, you know, sad about some of the things that she wanted to experience that she didn't get to experience or things that she experienced that she was hoping to not experience, but, but still strong. And I think a lot, a lot of that is because she, um, she had a very positive mental outlook from the beginning and right. some flexibility from the beginning, but also because all along the way, whenever choices came up, um, the people around her explained them, like, these are the options. This is why we feel like we need to do this or that. And that's really a different experience when you're in the driver's seat and being, uh, you know, lead or at least a big part of the decision-making. So there's an important note from there. I think it's good to listen to her episode, even though it's people are like, oh, I don't want to put that out there in the universe. Uh, but sometimes those things happen and it's really good to hear how you could, you know, navigate through it and come out. Uh, oh, completely. Having had a good experience, even though you didn't have what you wanted. Yeah, I think yeah. completely. Yeah, and uh, I had so that. I had that experience of not like being. I, I was not. I obviously have not given birth yet, but I didn't have a fear at all, um, and I don't have a fear of birth. But I, he, I would like to hear other people's episodes, not because it's like, oh, that will never happen to me. It's like, oh wow, look at how you they had to pivot, right? And that that may have to happen to me. So let me take, you know, their advice on just going with the flow and trusting the doctors and trusting the people around me to know, okay, you know what? If I have to have a C-section, if I have to have an epidural, then I'm going to do this. And I'm going to trust that the people around me, I've made the right decision to, to put myself in their arms, you know, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Things that people come in for during pregnancy tend to be if if they're coming in for symptoms, the most common one is like either lower back or localized sciatic pain mm. um, in the hip or upper glute. That's that's really the number one thing. Um, right behind that are some of the other discomforts. People who don't usually have headaches sometimes get headaches during pregnancy. People don't usually have carpal tunnel sometimes get kind of like wrist issues during pregnancy. Um, mid-back pain, intercostal pain, pain uh, between the ribs or underneath some of the ribs. Um, the round ligament pain is pretty common. So all these different musculoskeletal ailments that are, are caused by various factors, pregnancy-related factors, uh, that are very responsive to improving musculoskeletal health and wellness, mm. those are usually what they come in for. Sometimes it's just people who like to do maintenance on their bodies. Right. Uh, even if they're feeling totally fine, you know, right. get get an oil change periodically. If you're yeah. driving a race car, get an oil uh, race car, you get an oil change more frequently. And so pregnancy is kind of like driving the race car. Your body's working a lot 
harder than usual um, and things change how you are able to sleep changes and um, other center of gra gravity changes that are taking place that constrain the body. And so even if they're feeling fine, people just tend to come twice a month and, and do maintenance. And then towards the end, in particular, the last few weeks, uh, before a planned vaginal birth, we try to get the low back, hips, and pelvis as loose and functional mm -hmm. as possible so that your body is really accommodating to the movements and and activities of the various stages of labor and delivery rather than being sort of tight, stiff, and resistant to them. Oh, that's so amazing. Okay, so I definitely need to come in because I have had been someone that has not, you know, knock on wood, had any back problems or anything like that. I had migraines the first trimester, but I'm also someone that is, has had chronic migraines since I'm five years old, so I don't know any different. So for me, it was just hard because I couldn't take the regular medication that I would usually do to kind of, oh, yeah. you know, snap it out of me. Um, I've been really blessed. Make it go away. Yeah, make it go away. Exactly. I've been really blessed where the second and third trimester, I did not have any uh, migraines at all. Um, and I'm hoping it stays that way. Um, so I'm like, I, I'm really happy. Hmm. And and baby is right up in the rib cage, like right, very high, like properly placed, like just not going anywhere, <laughs> like relaxed. But I definitely, I think my biggest fear that I've been dealing with is um, I, I'm a dancer and I have not been able to do any movement for nine months because I have an extremely low placenta. And I, you know, was told by my doctor, there's a possibility that I'd have to have a C-section, but he's going to do everything in his power to not have that happen unless I, I it's something that comes down to it. Right. Um, but he knows that I'm, I'm not wanting that. Um, and he's being very wonderful and respectful about it. Um, but what I'm so nervous about is I'm someone that Great. used to be very limber and I would stretch every day. And I would, you know, even if I didn't take a dance class outside of the house, I would dance inside the home. You know what I mean? I would take a class or I would, you know, go do my Pilates or yoga. I have not done anything because I'm only allowed to go around the block very slowly. Um, and I'm very nervous that I don't uh, have because that. Because of the preview. Yes. So I'm very nervous that I don't have the flexibility of my hip, you know, my hips and the pelvis and all of that. So that's something that I could come in with to you and and we could just loosen that up is what you're saying. Totally. I wish I could just reach into the screen and right. do it for you now. Right. I know. I got to <laughs> I got to I got to come in before before baby pops out. And I've been even almost overly cautious walking around the block because I'm like, "Oh my god, if I just walk a little further like I may just give birth right here. You know, I've been so overly cautious and nervous and mm -hmm. it's not the greatest thing for your mental health, right? Not to be able to at least exercise a little bit or, you know, get the blood flowing. Um, I feel very yeah. geriatric. I'll say that. Steam. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But So sometimes runners, dancers, and gymnasts have muscles that are, are very strong. Mm which is super healthy, but then also sometimes they're also pretty tight, so dysfunctionally short. And uh, when muscles are strong, which gives them a little bit of rigidity and tight, it creates kind of a, a pretty rigid environment. Mm -hmm. So you don't have a one 
pelvic bone. You have a whole bunch of pelvic bones connected by ligaments and cartilage and other soft tissue. So it's flexible. It has the ability to expand and contract and uh, really help the baby when they're trying to get into a good position and when they're trying to move through your body and come out the other side. So um, sometimes it's those very athletic-y people, even though they're not during pregnancy sometimes. It's just that that buildup. Vigo is skiing, uh, and the mountain has a base of snow. It could be 20, 30, whatever inches long. And then there's fresh powder on the top. Mm. So when you work out, you know, your whole life and you build up that strong base, uh, the little powder on the top might go away during the time that you are not exercising, the six to nine months that you're not exercising. But that base does not go away quickly. That's still going to be there. And so it's still possible that there are like muscles that are just too strong and and too stiff together. The strength is great, but if you can get rid of the, the stiffness, the tightness, and just have strong musculature, that's amazing. That strong and flexible is amazing. Oh my gosh! Well, I'm definitely coming in to 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 get this fixed and made sure that it's okay, you know, before the birth because. It's something that I definitely never thought twice about until quite recently, you know, where I was like, oh my God, you know, I haven't been able to work out. I haven't been able to do this. Am I going to be, you know, you know, flexible and loose enough with my body, with my pelvis and with my body just in general for allowing baby to have like that smooth, beautiful, natural birth, um, if allowed, you know, I, I always say that, like if allowed. Um, and so it's something that I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I definitely am going to be meeting with you. <laughs> it's going to happen. <laughs> oh, amazing. I'm, I'm looking forward to it too. Now I have to we'll ask have you, we're going to have a blast. I have to ask you, what is something like, what is the wildest thing that you've seen in your office in regards to like a pregnant like a a, pre- a pregnancy of you know you having to to do some sort of miracle work on something you know what is the the story that that you know maybe can resonate with someone where they're like oh my god that's so wild I didn't know I could ever fix this and it was fixed by Doctor Berlin. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. First of all, the wildest stories are probably the ones that I couldn't fix. Yeah, um, I'm sure. You know, I had a, a, I've seen so many cases of sciatica of pregnancy now that when something walks in that sort of seems like it's sciatica of pregnancy but clearly to me isn't uh that's when i get kind of nervous so i had a patient walk in and just instead of on the little intake form there's a map of the body and just put a little x where you're feeling you know your symptoms uh if somebody like colors the whole thing in real deeply with a lot of ink that's a sign that that's that's a much more intense thing than just a couple of axes. You right, know? right. Uh, when I see somebody who's strong and fit and young and healthy and they're so uncomfortable and they can't find a comfortable position to get into, uh, that's going to be another sign like, okay, these some of these conditions are really uncomfortable, but not to the extent where you just can't even relax your shoulders for a minute, right. no matter whether you're standing, sitting, laying on one side or the other. Um, and so once in a while I'll get in there and I'll find something that is just not the typical sciatica of pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Right. And so a couple of times I've, I've found, uh, tumors growing and putting pressure into the sciatic nerve and that's a whole different thing. And obviously when it's so 
connected to like it's usually past the second trimester of pregnancy when we're finding these things it becomes a really intense situation but you know better to find it sooner than later and deal with it sooner than later sure wow that's so crazy i mean i my a friend of mine actually she um i think she was in her the beginning of her second trimester and she was diagnosed with thyroid cancer and they never would have found out if they didn't do a certain blood test for the baby, you know, and it's just, it's remarkable how many things, you know, get discovered during pregnancy that have absolutely almost nothing to do with the pregnancy um, that probably were there beforehand or whatnot. Um, And you just don't even know it's, it's wow. Wow. Uh, I had another patient who was uh, diabetic, type 1 diabetes, not gestational diabetes, and uh, we're in the middle of doing some body work, and all of a sudden, her body becomes just super sweaty and everywhere. You can see it everywhere. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. So I, I you know, she was kind of relaxed, and I asked her, hey, is everything okay? And she yeah. just says, what time is it? And I tell her what time it is, and she says, what time is it? And I'm like, I just told you what time it is. And I just, I could tell, you know, some of it's because I used to work in ambulances and emergency rooms, so I'd tell something wasn't right. I knew she was just, she was a diabetic, so I went into her uh, bag, and I took out her glucometer and tested her sugar, and it was extremely low. So we, I kind of, we keep, we keep this, like, cake paste here. (laughs) that you can like schmear into in our first aid kit, you can schmear into someone's mouth so they don't choke on it, but they can get a lot of sugar that way. And called 911 and uh, they came very quickly and they just put a whole bolus of sugar right into her artery. And um, you can see her waking up. You could see life coming back into her. It was kind of a amazing situation. But um, yeah, she had a pump, you know, they have an insulin pump. And it just automatically gives you a shot of insulin at certain times. And so she had her, she she hadn't eaten lunch. She forgot to eat lunch before her session. And so the pump assumes she had lunch and then it goes to get rid of all the sugar in the bloodstream, but there is no lunch sugar in there. So it just gets rid of all the sugar that is in there and, and she started to pass out. So those are kind of like the, um, these kind of things don't happen very often, but those are the kind of things where uh, I'm sort of, I feel grateful that my background and training and experience has helped me help those people. Um, and I think one of the crazier things is, which happens very infrequently, but once in a while is someone's water will break on the table. No, stop uh, it. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's happened. No, I just, someone God. will be like, oh, wow, I think I'm going to just peed a little bit. I'm like, oh, okay. And then a few minutes later, uh, I oh. think I just peed a little bit again. I'm like, okay. <laughs> oh, my you know, gosh. You're, you're, you're going. Oh, my gosh. And is so it because happens. of so a certain, a like, crack so or because of a certain, like, pop? Or... No, no, no. It just... it's, it's because, no, it's because I'm working on people who are yeah. 39, 40, 41 <laughs> weeks pregnant, and it's going to break somewhere. So it literally one time just broke in the middle of a massage, not even that area. I was working on her shoulders, and... All of a sudden. Wow. So, um, I wish there was a way I could make these things happen on purpose, uh, with, you know, just with some magic trigger point. I can't. It, it It's only happened a few times in 20 years, but 
but it's always a, you know, it's always, it's always exciting. Do you have a lot of women that come in who, you know, are not, who are in quote unquote late, right on their due date and they don't want to be induced. Um, and they want some sort of natural way of like, okay, they can go have the castor oil salads and, and pizzas and stuff like that. But do you have women that come specifically to you where you do some sort of body work, um, that helps kind of maybe move everything along a little bit, or is that just not possible? Yes. So what's interesting is people are more and more um, facing induction earlier and earlier, possibly because of the study called the ARRIVE trial. What's um, that? Which basically did a little, yeah, it took a look at uh, what the hypothesis that since babies are fully baked at 39 weeks, nothing else is really developing. They're just getting bigger. Uh, and if they're healthy at that point, why don't we just get them all out at 39 weeks so we don't leave a window of opportunity for something to go downhill? Mm-hmm. So the hypothesis was if we induced everybody at 39 weeks, maybe we would like decrease morbidity and mortality that happens after 39 weeks. Uh, the downside of that, you know, theoretically would be, but if you're doing all these interventions early, uh, you know, not early, but at 39 weeks, which is term, uh, then maybe one intervention will lead to another and we'll be doing a lot more cesarean birth and surgeries that people don't necessarily want or need and all the complications that come with that. So it's a very, very wide-scale study done uh, across multiple hospitals and thousands of uh, women. And uh, the results were pretty <laughs> pretty surprising. They did not find a statistically significant decrease in bad things happening to babies beyond 39 weeks when when they took them out early. But uh, they also didn't find a rise in the cesarean rate by the early induction. They actually found that in that category, a decrease in the cesarean rate. Uh. And so based on that study, which is not definitive really in any way, but based on that study, a lot of people are kind of um, suggesting induction at 39 weeks for everybody. And so because of that, there's more pressure on pregnant people to induce uh, even before they hit their due date, whereas it used to be like at your due date, a week or two after your due date, that's still on the target of term, you know? Right. There's there's 37 to 42 weeks is is the target, with maybe 39 and 40 being the bullseye on the target, but everything else is still on the target too. So absolutely the answer to your question is yes, people are coming in trying to get things moving before they're faced with medical induction. I have a theory on this. It's sort of like the safe deposit box at the bank. When I want to go in there and get my stuff out, I have to put in my key, and the branch manager also has to put in their key, and only with both keys turned will it open up. I think the baby turns a key and says to your body, hey, I'm ready when you're ready, and it's not until your body turns its key that the engine starts and things start humming. And I don't think there's really anything we can do non-medically to turn the baby's key. Mm. So, you know, that has to happen. Once that happens, there could be a delay between them and the time your body feels ready and right. your your key turns. And in that area, we could do some things, I think, that are effectively decrease uh, roadblocks but and maybe shorten that time period between the turning of the two keys. So if the baby's, again, very stiff and high, your body's very stiff and holding the baby high, even just a little bit high over the cervix instead of it pushing down and stretching the cervix out, which is what makes the 
oxytocin release and what makes mm -hmm. you go into labor, then we can decrease that tension and allow the baby to drop a little bit lower into your pelvis. Um, wow. There are trigger points and reflexology points and Chinese points that we can do uh, acupuncture into That's that are so all cool. meant to help narrow that gap. Well, I have to say, I yeah. was I was baking in my mom for I think forty two weeks. I did not want to come out. They kept trying to get me um, to come out, Aww. and they kept saying, "Oh no, no, no!" You know, my mom said, "Please just give me to the weekend. If she doesn't come for the weekend, then I promise, like on Monday, you can induce." And I came Friday night. I was I wanted to come on the weekend. I wanted to party. I was ready for a good time. <laughs> like <laughs> I was like, "No, I know when I'm ready." You know, um, and my mom. Had had a, a, a natural yes. birth at, at, at Stanford University up north. Um, but, you know, she didn't even, she, she said it was the longest labor. Her, you know, hips went three times the size they ever were. She blames me in my big head always. Um, but, <laughs> but I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't ready. And so I'm kind of someone that's, you know, I hear so many women, you know, wanting to get, you know, all this special, like, you know, things to, to start the labor, you know, at 37, 38 weeks. And for me, I'm like, oh, no, 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 I, I Stay in here. Like, stay in. I'm not ready. Your furniture's not here. Like, nothing's nothing's prepared. I want to have you bake as long as I possibly can. Um, so it's interesting that so many women have changed kind of the perspective of wanting to just get it out right away or being induced or going in for elective yeah. C-sections, you know, just not even because they need it because they just want to get it done with at that time and, and move on, you know, and I'm like, Oh, I'm not ready. You know? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, look, I'm not ready. And he's 18 already. Yeah. So. <laughs> you know, I want to ask one more thing as well, before we, we close this out is, you know, a lot of women um, that I've had on the podcast, the biggest issue they have is sleep um, in regards to their mental health. And, you know, whether it be pregnancy or not pregnancy, but on it, but this season, it's all about the pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And um, I will say that sleep for me is not that important. I don't I don't need sleep. I'm someone that can sleep for four or five hours and be fine. I've actually never slept more in my entire life than I have during my pregnancy, um, which is wild because I feel like that's not the case for most women. Um, so I feel very lucky yeah, about true. that, like very lucky. But what is something that you would recommend um, for women who are struggling with their sleep because of you know, the baby and not being able to lay on their back or their back sleepers or certain pillows or, you know, what, what is something that you recommend to your clients like about sleeping particularly? Yes. Yeah, so one thing that you see is people get the advice to only sleep on their left side. Yes. And uh, most of the practitioners that I work with today, the obstetricians and midwives, actually pretty comfortable with you sleeping on either side. Um, of course, if you get lightheaded, nauseous, or dizzy, you get off your right side. But um, generally, they're they're fine with it all the way through the end of pregnancy. So I think the only person sleeping on one side the entire time is helpful for is your chiropractor because you become right. grossly imbalanced. Right, uh, right. <laughs> and so I was... <laughs> I always recommend like alternating side to side, but then people who are not side sleepers or 
what happens at the end of pregnancy also is that there's so much pressure from the extra weight that sometimes you're on your side for an hour and it just becomes so uncomfortable. You have to switch to the other side and back to the first side, like a rotisserie all night. Um, if you only sleep four hours, it's not that many ter- turns. So you have that going for you. Yeah. <clears throat> I definitely but, have that going. <laughs> but for people who are back sleepers, uh, again, if you could put that back into a semi recline, so that you're not totally flat on your back, check with your provider. But generally speaking, they're okay with that too. So now you have three options for sleeping, one that doesn't put pressure on your hips at all. Um, and if your bed doesn't do that, then you can uh, you can get a wedge online. There are all these uh, wedges that you can put a foam wedge behind you so that you're not laying flat, but you're on a semi-recline. So that sometimes is helpful for people making sure that you have different options and you're not just sleeping on your left side. Oh, I love that. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing that. I, I think that I, I, the luckiest thing I have ever had with this pregnancy is I am a side sleeper and I'm specifically a left side sleeper always. So for me, this has ah, been just, you look, look at you. this has just been a dream. You've I'm been practicing a, your whole life. I've for been this practicing moment. my whole life for this very moment. Um, well, Dr. Berlin, I've been <laughs> so happy to have you on the podcast. I'm going to ask you my final question that I ask all my guests. Um, what is your emotional support? <sighs> I think we need another episode. <laughs> yes. Just to talk about my emotional support. Uh, um, my family is my emotional support. Uh, my wife is amazing. She's really intuitive, and she she can read me before I can read myself. Mm. Um, and she's just got a great way of you know helping just just give strength and or space when you need it to um, to get out of that rut that. I might be in. Um, and, you know, she puts a smile on my face. My my kids just, they don't even have to do anything or say anything. They just, being around them is, is so uplifting. Uh, the dog, too, but only if he hasn't been drinking from the toilet. Because <laughs> then, then his little hugs and kisses don't quite carry as much emotional support. <laughs> I have to say you have a very cute dog. I got to see your dog at the end end of our interview with with your wife. And I was like, oh, my gosh, it is the cutest thing that I've ever seen. (laughs) He's so sweet, but he loves to lick your face. And now his new thing is drinking from every toilet in the house. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) What a disaster. (laughs) What a disaster. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Berlin, for coming on the podcast. And I can't wait to go on yours. And I'm going to have a link to your podcast. Um, it is called the Informed Pregnancy Podcast, correct? I like my pregnancy brain is like not like. Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. No, no, that's it. Okay, good. <laughs> that's it. Oh, my God. Sandra, thank you so much for having me, and thank you for doing this podcast. It's an incredible platform and an invaluable resource to your audience or anybody who's lucky enough to uh, to find it and to, just to hear you, you and your approach and, and all the different guests that you bring on. Uh, thank you for doing that. Oh, my God.